Hello lovely people, how are you doing? I hope you're wonderfully well. Welcome to the Work Less Live More podcast with me, your host, Tamu Thomas, founder of the Live360 brand. I'm really excited. This is the first time I am doing a video version of my podcast as well as audio. And I'm really excited because today I have my first guest on this new rebranded version of my podcast. I am going to be in conversation with a wonderful woman called Ruthie Zerai Semurai. She is a leadership coach. She does coaching in the world of life and business, supporting her clients to become the leaders of their life. Ruthie works with businesses and individuals to develop better wellness practices and to learn who they are so they can choose who they want to be in this life and adopt behaviors that are aligned with who they want to be. Ruthie is a real advocate for people leading their lives powerfully. She is a recovered people pleaser who helps people recover themselves from the tyranny of people pleasing so they can live lives of agency and autonomy. And so people can live lives that feel good to them. Ruthie's work has a positive impact on people's interpersonal relationships with their work, with, the, with their experience with prosperity, the money they make, and the way they take up space in this world. Um, Ruthie is a human being I have the privilege of working with. And when I tell you, I could not have dreamed of a better person to work with. Ruthie is a reflection of the people I work with full stop, so I'm not doing any favoritism business. But when I used to sit down and think about my ideal client, my perfect fit client, a client that would be a human being, because she's a human being, that would be a pleasure to work with, a pleasure to co-create with, I could not have dreamed up Ruthie. Her work is really, really impactful, really, really beautiful. And she is just a beautiful ray of light in this world. So in this conversation, Ruthie and I talk about the difference between healing for growth and healing as a ruse for resistance. We also touch on our experience as daughters of immigrants, as women of color, black women of color. And we talk about the ways in which our toxic productivity served us at one point, but then had to be released in order for us to be the people we choose to be, in order for us to embody our healthiest adult selves. Um, this is a really gorgeous conversation. I am really delighted to share it with you. And at the end, Ruthie shares some information about her Self-Leadership self 101 program. Uh, she's enrolling for it right now. And um, the program begins in January. I hope you enjoy this episode. Um, it would be great if you could leave comments and if you could um, rate this podcast, you know, like five star review, because all of those things really help uh, with the algorithms and help us uh, help me spread this message further and wider. So without further ado, I hand over to Ruthie and I enjoy. Ruthie, it is such a delight to be here with you, my first guest on my rebranded podcast and I'm really glad it's you. I'm so happy to be here Tamu it's always a pleasure to talk to you and I'm honored to be your first guest on this wow. like, like you said this rebranded podcast. I love the mission. 
Thank you. Thank you. I'm glad you do. And I know it sits very closely to the work you do. And I just want to like thank you for bringing this topic because it's something that really is important and we need to speak about it. So I've just gone in to say thank you for the topic. The topic at hand is um, the difference between healing for growth and thriving and healing as a form of resistance. Um, so we're going to get into that in a second. But before we do, Ruthie, uh, please, could you share with the people that haven't had the honour, the privilege, the joy <laughs> of um, being in community with you or um, engaging with your work? Could you share a bit about yourself, what you do and why you do it? Sure. So my name is Ruthie Zerai Samere. I am a life and a business coach. I call myself a nine to five entrepreneur, which is a really big an important part of my story and also something that I like to share so that other people um, know that, you know, we can grow in stages. So I um, work as a business coach in, a, I'm employed as a business coach, and then I run my own coaching practice as well, where I work with individuals, uh, companies, entrepreneurs. Um, uh, my work is really centered on inside out growth. And that's really the model. And I think that's where the alignment is between us is that I think in society today, a lot of kind of like outside performative, like, you know, outcome focused growth is what's championed. And like my work is more centered on, yes, that's important, but we need to be anchored within ourselves. So it's like that inside out shifting, inside out growing. And um, what else is important about me? I, mental health and well-being is a huge part of my, of my work from my own experience with burnout. Um, I'm a daughter of immigrants, so like constantly shape-shifting in and out of, you know, experiences, identities, and, and, and expectations. So that's something that I also bring into my work, which I, I find is really important. I have an experience um, in the corporate space where I worked with in digital marketing for over 14 years. In, a very high paced capacity. So I love working with professionals also in like kind of, and companies with finding like space for well-being, wellness, and like in that particular space. Um, and I am part of your coaching program. So <laughs> I think that's really important to bring in too, because that's something that I champion as somebody who offers support to a lot of people that I also live that and embody that. So for me, it's been great to be part of your coaching program alongside other amazing female entrepreneurs this year where I'm able to receive as well. So that's what's coming up for me right now. I'm sure I'll share more as I go yeah. along. Yeah, um, um, and, and speaking of being a part of my coaching program, I just want to say like, what an absolute joy it is to be supporting you, to be part of your journey to be co-creating with you because, you know, coaching for me, yes, I am holding the space. Yes, I am providing you with a service. Yes, I want you to get great value from um, our work together. And also it's co-created. I learn from you, you share things that really enable me to expand and grow and learn about what is needed by the people I'm working with. And also the way you reflect things back to me that are things that 
um, I can celebrate and amplify and also areas of curiosity where I feel like mm, actually that's an area for me to learn and grow and um, if I think back to all the journaling I was journaling all the affirming I was affirming when I was mapping out like who the ideal person for me to work with to be in community with you are so beyond that I can't even begin <laughs> to I know I say this but like honestly it's like I'm a firm believer that you need to be really clear and focused and directional about you want, but with space, because my notion of what I can have is limited by my experience and by my imagination. My imagination is also impacted by my experience. So having a bit of spaciousness um, just means that wonderful people like you come into the arena, um, which is just beautiful. It certainly feels aligned in kind of what you said at the beginning of the episode, which is like that this topic was co-created and it was like we were having a kind of a DM conversation and then you helped me have an epiphany and we were like, oh, wait, we need to expand on this. And I think that's the beauty of community, you know, yeah. that you can yeah. you get that help, that really necessary mirroring and containment that can allow for more to just come through. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So the topic is was um well it was around healing so we were we were thinking about so just now you explained to us that your work is about the inner work that then gets radiated and projected outside um and we were having a conversation about the ways in which sometimes the healing work can feel really heavy and that we have to be mindful about not getting caught up in that healing and being stuck healing and not allowing ourselves to progress so could you just share a bit more about your experience oh and also we were looking at the ways in which it shows up for clients and us being able to support them to move out of that space so that the coaching can be a coaching space that feels therapeutic but is a coaching space so could you please elaborate on what was and is coming up for you in relation to that I think for me, yeah, that's such a good question. I think for me, I like to speak of my life in like these two big chapters, life before burnout and then life after burnout. And it's like, I've had so many different sagas and episodes in between, but that's the real distinction where I started to really delve into my healing from a conscious space. I think I've been really curious since I was a kid. I started reading really young and then I shifted into reading. I'm, so I'm based in Sweden. I'm of Eritrean origin, born and raised in Sweden, lived in London also for a long time. But like my, um, so, so, so me as a young kid starting to like read in English, that was like fueled by my curiosity just to know more. So I think I've kind of been on this path since I was really young, but it wasn't conscious. And I didn't have anybody around to also mirror that back to me, that what was going on was the self-exploration, potentially healing. I, um, uh, when I grew up, I was part of this liberation movement, you know, Eritrea and Ethiopia were at war. So there was just like a lot of things going on. So I think I've always kind of been seeking in a way, but it wasn't conscious. So fast forward to this moment when I was living in London in like, you know, a, a very senior role, working as a director at a big global media company. Everything was great. Pay was great. Great, you know, manager, all of this stuff, you know, had so much responsibility um, and opportunity but my body just started to shut down, right? 
so in that moment now in hindsight with all the work that I've done with therapists and coaches and so on I understand that that six months period I was like burnt out basically Mm. and what I consciously could not understand or wasn't um I think I wasn't really necessarily available to myself so in the moment I just knew something was off I didn't know what was happening and now I've done so much work to understand like oh my body was manifesting what I just like didn't want to process and understand that I wasn't which was that I wasn't in alignment with myself yeah so that brought me onto this path of just curiosity. I started reading and understanding more about like mental health and started to seek out therapists. And that was like a trial and error process, right? Of finding the right person. And also coming from a culture of like, you don't, t- you know that Tamu as a daughter of African immigrants, you don't tell people your business. There was so much that I had to like get over in order to feel comfortable in seeking help. But then I did. And, you know, um, in the, I worked with so many different professionals that just helped me understand like my people pleasing habits, um, uh, my lack of boundaries. And I understood that actually my physical exhaustion was connected to my personality and these personality traits that I had embodied as survival mechanisms, but they weren't sustainable, right? You can only escape yourself for so long. So from that point, it's been a successive journey for me to be like, I made a commitment. I'm, I'm going to choose myself. Mm. So that happened in iterations. I took a whole gap year out, out where I just, I was like, okay, the goal is to learn how to be with myself and take care of myself. And like I said, started working with professionals and it was really multidisciplinary kind of this, what we talk about and a lot of what you embody in your coaching and program as well. It was about changing my diet, learning how to work out, releasing anger, (laughs) going to therapy, um, getting coaching, slowing down, like all of these things. And then I've just stayed on that path. And it's like merged with so many different things with spirituality and like, it's like blooming in this beautiful way. But I think what's been the most important for me is making that commitment to to choose myself, and then to to just stay on that path imperfectly. And that's allowed me to express myself by starting my business and doing all these things in a boundaried form that I was doing before as a people pleaser you know I'm like I was like I've kind of been a healer my entire life really like that's a gift that I have right but it wasn't boundaried so I was like burning myself out Mm -hmm. but now it has boundaries it has a name I have a coaching container and it's just um and I love I'm I love the profession of coaching because it um it's kind of like the best profession in the world because basically I get to learn and to expand and to continue to have insights because um, as we support our clients, it's important that we can also receive them. So we need to continue expanding, right? Yeah. So um, yeah, I'll stop there. I'm not sure if I answered the question. But... There was so much <laughs> juiciness in there and something I would like to just say in relation to the last part one of the many reasons I love coaching is there are very few spaces in life where you are actively encouraged to do what may feel like showing off. There are very few places in life where you are actively encouraged to big yourself up, to be all you think you can be and more, and to look at ways you can support yourself to do that. 
and, and in the way we coach, look at ways you can support yourself to do that in a manner that is sustainable and regenerative. Because a lot of coaching is about go, 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 which often does contribute to burnout. But finding a way that honors your rhythms, that honors your background, your history, your experience and all of that. I just think it's such a beautiful privilege to be able to do this work at this time. And also, I think it's listening to you talking about deciding to take a gap year to learn how to be with yourself, to be present with yourself, to learn yourself, to honor yourself and all of that. Hearing you saying that as a black woman, a black woman, daughter of immigrants, is so, so, so important. That for me is peak soft life. We've got people running around, like black women running around on the internet with their Chanel handbags on beach locations, in caftans and whatever else, talking about soft life. But consciously deciding to step off the hamster wheel and look at how you can relay your foundation so you can build what you really want to rather than what's been handed down to you that is for me to see another black woman doing that is such important role modeling for what is possible for us if we are intentional and committed to ourselves and our flourishing yeah i mean it's 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 so important right because it's it's radical it's radical and you and I know and that this work the true work is from the inside out so you know like what you described that whole movement I'm happy that people are tapping into it and like yes everybody needs a gateway to get into this right to living the soft life but that external stuff is only going to take you so far right the the real work is on the inside so for me taking that gap here was like really being honest and saying like I don't know how to take care of myself. Like I'm not well physically, mentally, emotionally. I'm not well. I need to just be with myself. Yeah. And and it was such an important moment in my, my life also where I broke rapport with status, what will other people say, should versus want, like all these things and it was it really changed me, you know. It really changed because I was at the top of my career. I was earning a lot of money. I had so much opportunity or supported by so many people, specifically in that role that I was in. But I was like, nah, I'm not well. My body's inflamed. I'm like 15 kg overweight. Like emotionally, I'm not regulated. Now I have words for it, by the way. Yeah. At that time, I was just yeah. like, this doesn't feel good. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, didn't, yeah. I didn't have the language for it. Yeah. Like that's what, so now where I'm at this point and I was like, yeah, that was pretty radical. But I think it was also a moment amidst a lot of like insecurity within myself. I was, I listened to myself for once. I was like, no, you need, you need to do this. Like you need to just like not do, you need to take a break. And yeah, yeah, it was great. It was great. And hard. (laughs) And hard. Hard. Especially Mm. because we don't have role models for this. We don't, like, we're literally making it up as we go along. Yeah. And I think that's such a beautiful... Let my lungs feel luxurious. Let my intestines feel... Let my womb, let my gut, let my brain, let my soul, let my skin... Like, let this body temple feel more luxurious than that Chanel handbag that is... Okay, then, Chanel these days is an appreciating asset, asset... But nothing is as much of an appreciating asset as your body if you look after it correctly. And when I'm talking about your body, 
um, I, I, I'm working with somebody who is one of the most beautiful human beings. And when we first started working together, she talked about her body like it's a hindrance. And I was like, listen, when you learn how to be with your body, when you yeah. learn how to soothe and tend to your nervous system, you will find that your, your body, your nervous system, your fascia, your, your muscles, your joints is the most holy place on this earth the most spiritual place on this earth. And when you understand that, you understand that we manifest from our nervous system. If your, man if your nervous system is dysregulated, and I'm talking about like the things we have control of, I'm not talking about systems and structures and that kind of thing, that's a separate issue. But the day-to-day -day things that we have control and autom autonomy over, if you are dysregulated, you are going to create dysregulation because that is the set point you're operating from. If you are regulated, your window of tolerance is wider, you have a bigger capacity, and it doesn't mean life is hunky-dory, but you've got more room to be able to navigate and manage the complexity and the beauty of life without being overwhelmed and heading off into burnout all the time. And I think it's it's so important to the point that you're making also. I think this is important for everybody. And that's what I'm learning from you. I have a lot, a lot of resistance. You're like, what is this nervous system stuff? Like, honestly, we need to get there, right? But at the same time, my intuition kept pulling me to you and your messaging. And I was like, you're resisting this. But intuitively, you know, you know that this is important. You know that you can't grow from like fear and scarcity and all this like all this stuff like from being dysregulated right that's what really attracted me to to your program because the nervous system is such a central point there but i think like for a lot of us it's really important to remember that we get to honor our own pace and when we honor our own pace that's that that was the thing for me about taking that time off was like being like toxic productivity is a trait in me, like my parents fled war, like all this stuff, right? They've just been on the go, on their feet their entire lives. So it's been like, you know, me as a child of an immigrant, like just, I've got to make it. I've got to like, you know, keep going, keep going. But um, that, that moment that I took for myself to take that adult gap year, I was like, I'm going to honor my own pace. And that's such a big learning. And like, I think it segues really well into like the conversation that we had around that. We often think that growth is like, it's, you know, it's easy or it should feel good or not. Actually, like if you want to get to that level of healing that you're looking for, you have to feel comfortable with doing things that may feel uncomfortable or unfamiliar for you in that moment, right? Yeah. So for me, the sign was, my intuition keeps nudging me to be like, no, I wasn't looking for other jobs. I was like, I was moving country at the time. And I was like, you're never going to get this opportunity again. Everybody was like, what are you doing? My parents are like, what are you doing? My cousins, you know, from America, those Americans, they're always like, what, you're not going to work for a year? Are you crazy? And I was like, yeah, I really like, that's what my intuition is telling me. Yeah. Was it uncomfortable to make the decision? For sure. It yeah. was. But look at the, what it yielded for me. Like I came back to myself. I now can say that I know myself. So that's for me is the carrot of really applying yourself to healing and getting through those, a lot of the moments and stages that may not feel familiar or comfortable Ooh. or easy. But at the other end of that is you, like the true you. And like, so it's a question of like, how much do you want that? How much, how motivated are you to actually um, 
shed the old and like meet the new you, maybe the yeah. real you, your higher mm -hmm. self. There's so many different ways of saying this. Yeah. Stuff, right. But for me, I just knew that like, it was almost like a feeling as if I was like trapped in my body. I was like, this isn't me. Surely this can't be me. I didn't know what the, what my, what the, this version of me would be. I had no idea, but I was just yeah. like, this can't be me. It just yeah. doesn't feel good. I don't feel good. My digestion is off. Yeah. There's so many things that there were so many signs. Really, yeah. But, yeah. 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 I hear you. Um, so we were talking about um, healing for growth mm. as opposed to the very sophisticated healing as resistance. And as you've talked about being a daughter of immigrants, your parents fled war, they came to create, you didn't say these words, but it's that notion of coming to create a better life and not wasting the opportunity and stuff. I'm gonna say something and I, I, want, I wanna know what comes up for you. So what's coming up for me as you're talking is many of us who are black or brown and or children of immigrants, have been brought up with a sense that in order to succeed in the immigrant country, the country where our parents settled, because of racism, white supremacy, when you're a woman, the addition of sexism and all of that kind of stuff, we grow up with this notion that we have to be perfect. We, we're told we have to work twice as hard to even get remotely the same recognition as our white counterparts. But also what we hear within that is that we need to be perfect or as close to perfect as we can be. So thinking about all of that, I'm thinking about the ways that narrative can, could possibly contribute to black and brown people, people whose parents are like first generation people being stuck in healing because we've got to do it properly and earn the right to be once we've done the healing properly. What comes up for you when I say that? Wow, so many things. <laughs> I think that is absolutely a theme. Like you might, you know, at the moment, the, the, I, I am, my coaching is focused towards children of immigrants, first generation achievers, women of color. So in those spaces, that consistently really comes up. Like, how can you give yourself permission to just be in this space? How can you give yourself permission to allow your healing and growth to be imperfect? How can you give yourself permission to really try, to really try and potentially fail? Most likely you'll fail, right? When we try something new. And it's like, I think the self-protection is like, well, I don't want to try because what if I fail or I've got to get it right the first time. So it, this is something that definitely comes up. And I see that with my clients a lot. And it does come from, it comes from a real place, you know, the burden of being a child of an immigrant, or maybe you're not a child of an immigrant. You may just come from a parent that has demanded perfection from you or a culture or like, yeah, a subculture, whatever it might be, um, or maybe socioeconomic pressures that where you feel like you have to be perfect because no one else knew what was going on in the situation or that household. So there could be so many different reasons. And it really shows up as that resistance. And a funny thing, like when you mentioned this, something that um, I've noticed with a lot of the my clients as well, I think it is also um, influenced by the fact that a lot of us are moving into these like deeper levels of healing but we don't necessarily have the containment that we want and need from our parents. Mm. 
So a lot of us are underfathered and undermothered, but we also come from people who have been underfathered and undermothered because of external pressure. Yeah. So there's nobody's fault. There's colonialism. There's, you know, like, you know, war. There could be so many different things. Yeah. But let's call it external pressures, right? Yeah. So it's been about like just survival for so long. And so we are the children of parents who have been underfathered and it's generational. So you're stepping into this space and you're like, I want my mom to tell me that it's okay. I want to feel the support of my father yeah. for this, but they don't get it. They're not, they're not able to show up for you in the way that you might need to, yeah. right? So I think that this, that becomes a resistance. That's a lot. That's a, that's something that I see a lot, right? Mm. That, that perfectionism is upholded by these images of, and, and experiences potentially of our caretakers. Mm. And you know, you and I are very like therapeutically minded. I read a lot of therapy books. I am, I am a coach. I'm not a therapist, but I think yes. this is, it's important to understand. And also as two coaches that are like on our path for ICF accreditation, so just understanding that the ethical difference between what is coaching and what is therapy. And that's yeah. something that I bring up in my coaching space a lot. And I realized that a lot of people feel like very isolated as they were embarking on these deeper levels of healing. They feel yeah isolated because they don't have that support that they want from their primary caretaker and I don't blame them because that's it's, it's that's that's how it's supposed to be mm. and at the same time I think this is really important and I do share of my own experience because I think real life examples are helpful for people to have more breakthroughs yeah. I didn't have that support my parents didn't understand nothing like of what I was doing I didn't even understand it but yeah, I was yeah, like yeah. I need to go in this direction do they love me? Absolutely. But like they just in, in the, the journey that I was going on, they weren't able to support me necessarily, but I still kept going. So that's mm -hmm. like the self-leadership. Mm -hmm. That's the self-empowerment. That's the and I started seeking out that support from containers such as yours and just be finding ways of building that community right so yeah. i could feel safe because it's about safety right yeah perfection safety yeah so i could feel safe enough to keep moving in the direction that my intuition my soul god is like nudging me in oh. so, i mean there's there's a lot to it there's a lot to unpack there there's but a lot to unpack perfection and like the reason why we might be like buying all these books and signing up to coaching programs and like going to therapy but we're not transforming that into action we're not actually integrating that into who we're being in our lives it is definitely because of perfectionism and it's that like is it safe for me to do it and the truth is in my experience that safety cannot come from the outside you have to start by creating it on the inside yeah. yeah and you know bringing my uh social work lens onto this mm -hmm. what you're talking about in relation to being underparented it's underparented in terms of emotional needs being yes. met as they are. So many of our parents, as you quite rightly pointed out, were in survival. They were doing their best to survive. Your parents were surviving war and the post-traumatic stress of um, war. Parents were coming from various places and they were surviving for the most part. So you've got parents who are surviving and because they have been brought up with intergenerational survival, they do not have the emotional intelligence or emotional capacity to hold vulnerability 
vulnerability put them at serious risk of harm. So all they know really and truly is how to brave their way out of vulnerability, strong yes. their way out of vulnerability. Some of our parents are the most inspirational, motivational people you will find on this planet. They can whip out a motivational speech just like that. They can give you some inspiration, even if that inspiration is comparing you to your cousins, uncles, wives, daughters, sons, sisters, daughter, who got a PhD when she was seven years old and she lost her hand in a fire or something. Even if the, the inspiration is something like that, so, and you know, none of us come out of childhood unscathed, not because our parents are bad people, but it is impossible for anybody, whether they made us or not, to meet all of our emotional needs. Because as you even pointed out yourself, Ruthie, you had to learn what your needs are as you progressed your healing journey. So there's a part of us that is always yearning a very deep yearning that if I'm perfectly honest with you, that yearning will always be there because it is a yearning that comes from very early years. Yeah. That yearning will always be there. So we need to acknowledge and make peace with the fact that there's going to be a part of us that is always looking for that really compassionate, tender, gentle, empathetic parenting we were never able to get. And when we can acknowledge that and know that we will always carry that and we will still be able to be a badass big businesswoman, a, a great friend and all of those kinds of things, we can then embark on the journey of parenting ourselves. When we yeah. parent ourselves and we start to meet that yearning in um, subtle and overt ways, but the, you know, we live in the micro, so those micro actions, those micro moments compound together and create trust, self-trust on the inside, we can then show up for coaching as coaching. Yeah. We can bring therapeutic elements into coaching, but we can remember that coaching fundamentally is a bridge. You are here, you want to go here, and coaching helps you um, create the bridge you you and that coach co-create the bridge led by you the client the coach is supporting and cheerleading you so that you can travel over that bridge with support when we don't Absolutely. do that we because of reason denial maybe stigma associated with therapy we can end up in coaching spaces where we are in a situation where we are being met with compassion we are being encouraged to be all we can be and then some. You are being encouraged to brag. You're being encouraged to own your stuff and alchemize it. I'm always saying shit is fertilizer, like alchemize that stuff into fertilizer. But when you're not doing the self-responsibility piece, when you're not doing the self-leadership piece, that's when you start to project your wounds and then you're trying to make other people responsible. And then that is where healing can become part of your resistance but I can't because this I can't because that and I don't like to use the word excuses because it has very judgmental connotations at times but we really do then fall into the land of making excuses 
I've got to do this course first. I've got to do this program first. And then another thing that happens when people are operating in that embodiment of um, powerlessness, of helplessness, learnt helplessness, mm. you then start you then start to hear a narrative of people talking about that coaching experience wasn't that great. That coach wasn't good. I didn't get from that. When the truth, sometimes there are janky coaches out there there are coaching experiences that aren't what they're cracked up to be but very often the truth is you're looking for approval parenting from the coaching relationship so you're not showing up in your healthy adult and being able to do that work which needs a lot of effort a lot of power because you're breaking habits you have had for such a long time and you are putting yourself in a position where you are facing the unknown all day every day because you're growing into a version of yourself that hasn't been created yet and that yeah. can be really scary when you're used to survival because one thing you have in survival is a false sense of control I you I I know I can't do that because I've had this issue in the past. I know I can't do that because of racism. I know I can't do that because I don't have role models. I know I can't do that because I don't have support. So everything is then colored by lack as opposed to well let's bring some curiosity and some possibility in. What if? Ah <sighs> so powerful. That's so powerful. Um, yes, to everything that you just said. And it really um, brought my attention to something that I noticed in the coaching space recently that really grabbed hold of my attention was this, I was speaking to a particular client and I noticed that they were looking for the, the ultimate why, but why, but why? And it's a rabbit hole, right? And this is the why in relation to this person's origin story. Why me? Why did this happen to me? And everybody those experiences are so legitimate and they're so real, but also understanding that that could be a false sense of control, right? Like telling ourselves that, telling ourselves that when we find the reason, then we can change, right? And it's like quite likely that you won't find the reason or when you find the reason, it might not satisfy you, right? And that's why for me, I bring in, the, 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 the perspective of the generational aspect, right? So, and I also talk to a lot of my clients about getting therapy, to be really honest. I think yes. a lot of us just have a lot of suppressed stuff where I was like, this is great. I think you need to talk to somebody about it, but not in the coaching space. So yeah. therapy and coaching, they make a great marriage, right? Yeah. And they can happen simultaneously. They can yeah. happen separately. So I do that because I come from a place of as you do deep caring for my clients, where I said, I think you need to get this off your chest. I've done this in the past, right? Just like spent time, just like raw, getting it out of my system. Yeah. I didn't get to a, 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 you know, a fundamental why, but now I have understanding. I've gotten that out of my system. It's generational. And from that place, compassion can, can come up, but also I can take, take action, right? Because I was like, oh, action is healing. That's the thing, because the action is like the creation of the new self. And you said when you were talking, I thought of the word self-determination came up for me. It was like, yes, this happened to us. And there are multiple examples of so many people that have gone through like, and this is not to shame anybody. It's just to bring in perspective mm -hmm. that have endured like 
like really difficult things and they've still taken a stand for who they want to be they've gone on that journey of like you said through micro action creating the new self create new creating new neural pathways making a choice and decision for me i never really knew i still don't know like i still don't know but i just know what feels good to me yeah. what feels good to me it's to not be a people pleaser it's to be authentic it's to have enough time for myself. It's yeah. to honor the downloads that come with it. I was like, oh, you should start a business. You should do this to honor that, like yeah. to take imperfect action, to let go of holding people hostage to like my resentment. There's so many things. Right? Really? <laughs> There's so many things, but through doing that, I, like I tell this and I, I don't like I, my parents are amazing, by the way. I just want to say that they've endured so many things that I probably couldn't endure in like three lifetimes right but rightfully so I was angry at them for a period right and like I always say that they didn't change like they literally did not change very much like I'm the one who had to change yeah. now we have a much better relationship yeah. but if I was to delay my healing because I was waiting for them to change like you wouldn't be speaking to this version of me and I think that's where a lot of people get tripped up they're they're waiting, they're, this false sense of safety, this false sense of control, either for parental approval or for things to start feeling safe or for resentment to release. All oh, there could be so many different reasons. And the thing is, the truth is, you, I'm going to use your words, Tamil, you're the alchemizer of your own experience. Yeah. So like that new path can only happen when you're willing to go from like, I have enough information to get started and now I'm going to take one step and the next step and the next step and yeah. even if it feels like the, you know in, you feel insecure you feel afraid you feel like a fraud you feel like an imposter we all experience that but it's like are you willing to still willing? like explore for me I say there was just a curiosity I was like I think there's more I think there's more over there I'd see somebody and I was like oh she's doing this and I would get tripped up by comparison, right? But then I'd be like, but what is attracting me to this? Exactly. And now I know it's the, it's the light shadow. We talk about yeah. dark shadows, right? Yeah. Or just like shadow work. But it's the light yeah. shadow, which is like, yeah. if she can do it, I can do it. Yeah. There's something that I'm projecting onto her that already exists within me. Yeah. How can I explore that? And for me, the, the game-changing factor has just been like, I'm doing life my way. I'm on my journey. I'm doing life my way. Becoming... For me, becoming an adult is also releasing yourself from like comparison, releasing yourself from all these ideas and concepts that have been programmed into you and choosing your own programming. Absolutely. So me, that's like, yeah, yeah. My, my journey is my journey and I'm going on it imperfectly. And that is the way, that is the absolute way. And when you do that, you set yourself free. When you set yourself free, you set your parents free to be who they are because a lot of us have internalized our parents. So our parents owe us. You didn't do this. You should have done that. Blah, blah, blah. I've learned all this stuff. Why didn't you know this stuff? I could have been in a better position in life, etc. We internalize that. So we carry, um, Carl Jung has a quote, something about um, the greatest burden to a child is the unlived life of their parent. Wow. So I we internalize. <laughs> and so we now start to unlive because we're so busy thinking about what's owed. We forget I'm my mom now. I'm mm -hmm. my dad now. It is my 
they did what they did with what they could with what they had at that time it is my responsibility to parent myself now i need to focus on parenting myself and set them free because as i set myself free i set them free so what you experienced in that gap year you can start to experience from within well if i'm gonna meet my needs i need to understand what my needs are and some of my needs were like literally the opposite of how I was brought up. So, you know, I talk about toxic productivity a lot. My mom knows how to be productive. If you want somebody to get something done, if you want somebody that can magic resources out of nowhere, call my mom. Yeah. Call my mom. She knows how to, she knows how to do it. And I thought to myself, she was in a position where she needed to operate like that to be able to create the life she did for herself, for us. I don't need to replicate that. It's time to build up from that. I don't, I don't need to endure what she endured. And when we think about our parents coming here or wherever, whatever it is they do so that we can have a better life, I am not doing anything for that better life if I am recreating those habits and I am trying to prove myself to my parents by internalizing them. So, um, you know, African parents don't, I think Caribbean parents and Asian parents are the same. Their spirit is uneasy when you're resting. What are you resting for? Like, what's that? So one of the ways I like decondition myself from that is resting when I need to rest. Mm -hmm. and knowing it's not lazy I just actually need to rest I am not going to be back in burnout again to prove myself as worthy I'm worthy I know I mean, I'm worthy of, yeah absolutely and that's such a big one I come from a long lineage of women that just are just like die hard just keep going and that was so ingrained with me that toxic productivity right so like you said I think it's an honor to be able to build build up from that i love that expression that you said and i think it's actually if we think about it for any any for all generations right for all of us that are like representative of a new generation it's like understanding that it is our duty actually to progress thing we're not just meant to like wash and rinse and repeat right and i think it's like for me i had to give myself permission to be like oh i'm gonna be a cycle breaker here like this is a lineage breaker, a cycle breaker. And the reason why it doesn't feel good is because I'm that first generation. My parents came here and I'm that first generation. And I was like, as much as I have many amazing role models of so much like grace and dignity and all this from my ancestral line, I don't really have a role model for how to navigate this world, right? What I'm like living in between two cultures. So basically I'm the icon of that. Like I'm the hero of that, which means that I'm, I'm the one that's tasked with modeling that I'm creating it real time. And that comes with a, with a sense of responsibility. And for me, I think actually one of my biggest resistance was I didn't feel like I had permission to progress things. You know, that's like what culture does. It's like, oh no, you've got to do that. And I was like, oh, well, but then I was like, actually, I can give myself permission. That's the whole point, right? Yeah. It doesn't matter if you're not getting the external approval, people will either catch up or it doesn't matter because it'll be it'll just be like a non-negotiable for you. But for me, I was like, oh, I'm not throwing out the baby with the bathwater, but I am embodying the mindset of like, I'm creating something something totally new that's been unseen and unheard of in, of my lineage. So I'm the leader of this. 
right? Ooh. And that and that's and that's really powerful, I think. I do want to ask you a question though, to make sure mm -hmm. that I also get your wisdom on this. What do you think is the main reason that we use healing as a form of resistance for our growth? I think that we use healing as resistance because we are afraid of uncertainty mm. so it's deeply somatic it is a huge survival protective pattern and I think that um, so, so on a somatic level uncertainty like we haven't evolved much since we were hunter-gatherers who needed to be like who, who, who needed their tribe like we still need our tribe to be able to survive but we were at real risk of immediate harm or death when we were outside of our tribe so i think that um so uncertainty uncertainty then if we weren't careful could mean death like that uncertainty of that ruffle in the bushes it was either a cute little bunny rabbit or it was some kind of predatory animal or opposing tribe and that still lives very much um, within us. Mm. So there's that. And uh, we have an inbuilt negativity bias that is suspicious of anything we don't know and we don't have pattern rec recognition for because intelligence is pattern recognition. Intelligence mm. is being able to decipher a pattern based on an experience we've had before. So we have some really deep somatic reasons for fearing uncertainty and then on top of that with this notion like uh in the fields that we operate in in the with the language we use we mistake safety for control mm. so a lot of people talk about being safe but what they really mean is i know exactly what's going to happen i'm going to be able to control the outcome that's not what safety is about safe isn't being able to mitigate all risks safe is being able to grow your capacity so that you can take risks safety is about being risk aware rather than risk averse and when we have like most of us are conditioned for people pleasing codependency so when we have very big people pleasing codependency um, patterns doing something that could uh, result in a mistake feels really huge because for people who rely on what other people think about them to make assessments about how they experience themselves, making a mistake, being seen to be doing something wrong, we boil that down to we are bad. And if we are bad, you're not gonna like me. If you don't like me, then you're gonna reject me. So there's that part. And then in addition to that, thriving is really hard when you're used to surviving. And a lot of the people we're around are in survival physiology even if they're making loads of money they might still be hustling they may still be afraid to spend money or they might have a really um, toxic relationship with prosperity not just financial prosperity but all those other kinds of things so when you have got a lot of money let's say and people can see that you're grinding to make that money then it's worthy you deserve it you work you work really hard when you're making changes so that you are working within a natural flow and you've worked out that it's possible for you to work smart rather than hard and make acute living for yourself, have spaciousness in your day, 
when you start being really conscious and mindful about the relationships you want to have, how you show up in life, how you show up for yourself, people can perceive that as rejection because you're changing. And we are very, we are very attuned to the people around us, subtle changes in body language, in the tone of voice, in remarks they may make, make us really fearful. Because, you know, I said this in a newsletter I sent this week, we love a, a love a, we love a trier, but when that trier looks like a succeeder, it can poke holes in us or it can poke us in places where we've rejected areas we want to succeed in because we don't have the self-belief or because we're worried about the judgment of other people. People love an underdog, but when the underdog looks like it's becoming top dog, people feel really threatened by it. And because you are inhabiting qualities like what you talked about with comparison, we say comparison, but I actually think it's envy. We can see characteristics of ours that we've rejected. We can see them being inhabited and being utilized within other people. And so we envy that person's ability to inhabit themselves in a way that we've learned to reject to in a, in a like wonky way of trying to protect ourselves mm -hmm. so we can use healing as a resistance because we can say but I am doing the work I've had all these realizations about myself I've invested in myself I've read this book I've, I've, I've listened to this podcast I've done this thing I've been on this retreat and our minds are so powerful we can acquire a lot of knowledge that's why visual, visual, visualization is so impactful. All that knowledge, we can visualize living a different life. We can visualize change because we understand the theory of how change works. But that doesn't mean we're translating that into our lived experience, because although we have that very clear visual in the 3D, in reality, we are so scared of doing something we can't control, we don't take action. So then we enter the freeze response where you've got all this stuff going on inside you. It becomes like a bottleneck. So the joy gets mixed with pain. Anger gets mixed with excitement. It becomes so much. It feels overwhelming. And it feels like if you were to let it out, it would be a tsunami of anger, rage and all of these things we perceive to be negative emotions. We don't realize that there's joy in there. There's bliss. There's grace there's compassion, there's empathy in there as well. So we keep it inside. So then we walk around life like just a constant sharp inhalation, which feels really big, like it's about to explode. And we don't realize with therapeutic intervention, with coaching, with surrounding yourself with people who are aligned, people who have got enough capacity for your energy, we can start to slowly release that little by little, bit by bit. And the best way to release that is to dovetail what you're releasing with action. Yep. So a lot of us are used to being let down. We're used to being disappointed. We're used to people not seeing us the way we really are. When we see ourselves, when we hold ourselves to a higher standard, when we take the action we want to take, when we say we're going to take it and be uh, allowing ourselves to be able to do that by doing small steps rather than wanting to do giant leaps all the time, that's how we truly create healing because we're keeping promises to ourselves. We're being who we say we are. We're doing what it says on the tin. 
that's how we really heal. But when we harbor information, what we end up doing is we act like the adults who um, through no, they weren't intending to do it, but we let ourselves down the way the adults we grew up around let ourselves down. Because as far as we were concerned, you're big, I'm small, you've got all this information, therefore you're right. So we are, we're now the big person to the little person inside. We've got all of this information, but we're not applying it to support ourselves. So, and when you are a healer, when you are a service-based professional or a values-based professional, we can do that beautifully for the people we work with. And then we enter into a situation where it's like our inner child is in the playground we're late to pick up the, our inner child from school. And we go to the playground, instead of picking up our own child, we're picking up the inner children of our clients. So yes. our inner child is watching us picking up all these children and becoming more and more distressed. And now we're shouting, just wait, hold on. These people need me more. They're more <laughs> fragile, you're strong. So we're there with the intensity, motivation, inspiration, willpower, discipline, consistency, like really, 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 really telling off our, our terrified inner child whilst that child is just watching us abandon them to pick up all these other children. Mm -hmm. when, when you focus on picking up your child, you then inhabit the space of sharing tools with your clients so they can pick up their children. And then you become really, really aware. Sometimes you don't even have the language to articulate it, but you can spot the difference between a prospective client that wants your energy so you can pick up their child and a prospective client that wants you to share tools with them so they can pick up their child. Wow. So I wow. know I went off piece, but like it's, it's all linked. It's all linked. It's all linked. And that last thing that you said, that's a distinction that, you know, I'm picking up on so quickly now, right? The difference between exactly the person that is looking to be empowered versus the person that is wanting containment and wants to be saved. And I yes. think there's a, they're all valid, right? But it's just coming back to what are what is our what are our boundaries here as coaches? And what's right? your role? And like you said, what is the fertile ground also for us to be able to create movement together? And, and that has to be in the space of empowerment, right? Yes. So that's why coaching is really about creating your future. It's not, it's not about reconciling your past. Exactly. And I think that's really important for us to bring into the space. And I thought about two things that you said, um, I couldn't help but reflect, but to reflect on myself on that sense of safety. When I, I was such a big people pleaser before going on this recovery journey, but it was such a safe role for me. It was so safe. Yeah. I knew exactly who I was, how I added value, what people valued me for. It, it was just like, it was perfect. But there was a lot of dissatisfaction, right? The resentment now, is huge. It's huge. And now as I've gone on to this journey of like, I was like, oh, wait a minute. Like I'm actually, I'm self-focused. I've developed healthy self-interest. And that sense of safety was something that I had to build over time. But that sense of inner satisfaction is just so great. And that's mm. like, that's the carrot of like continuing to grow on this journey. It's like, yeah. yes, it, it'll, you'll have a lot of moments of insecurity. And it's interesting that you mentioned small action, right? I'm, I'm literally putting together a masterclass on like the power of creating small habits, right? And it's really, it, for me, I, I really credit a lot of my personal growth to 
that small action. I'm now in a place, I'm almost coming up to my second year anniversary of being business owner, legit and all that. And I'm like looking back on it and I was like, wow, I like all those like small steps of action. That's where the growth is. Yeah, amidst all the insecurity and the fear and it literally created this version of me and I'm just like, what's next? Because I've created a foundation that I can now take off from mm-hmm. by facing facing that fear and taking action. Absolutely. So Ruthie, before we wrap up, because we literally could be here for the whole day, sure. please could you share two ways um, people can start to allow their healing to be healing? And then I know you've got um, a program coming up, so it'd be great if you could share details about your program after that. So two ways, so two things that have been top of my mind right now. The number one thing is let your journey be your journey, right? So take so by taking our power back from comparison, what everybody else is doing. I'm in a space right now where I feel I'm, I'm becoming conscious of how um, overwhelmed I'm feeling by external noise. There's so much noise out there. And it's really hard to hear yourself Ooh. when you're constantly exposing yourself to other people's thoughts and thoughts and like ideas. So practice discernment on like where your soul wants to go, who you want, you know, to gain information from. And it for me, it's always, I'm always attracted to people who hold firm with the belief that I have my own answers within myself, right? So within that, honor your own pace and your journey is your journey so if you want if if you really want to tap into your healing like just honor your own pace with it no comparison Mm. stay on your path right so that's number one and the other thing that I was thinking about actually one of the biggest outtakes of my gap year was that I learned how to nap so my toxic save lives my toxic productivity prior to that I think I was at the time like maybe 32 years old when I started experimenting with like taking naps like I had it was not physiological I thought I was like, I my body I can't take naps <laughs> but it wasn't it was just mentally I wouldn't allow, allow myself because it was underpinned by a belief that it was lazy I needed to be productive maximize my time da, 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 yeah. da. so like for me it's like whether it's napping or resting in any type of form it's important that as we're healing and taking all this action that we also learn how to like take little breaks like I take 10 minute breaks in between meetings I just lay down on my sofa and I recharge and then I'm up for the next tasks yeah. right so it's really productive to also like rest but yeah uh, so that's the second thing that I can think of right now that's been really transformative for me thank you thank you those all have a beautiful compounding effect thank and you. now please could you share some information about uh your program that starts in January right yes so my self-leadership 1.0 group coaching program it's starting early january um, and this is for women who really want to bring in their next level without burnout without overwhelm without exhaustion um, are welcome to apply to join the program it's a 12-week group coaching program with live coaching sessions and it's community style so we really bring in that element and it's just, it's just a a great way and a great container for you to explore that foundation right to come back to yourself so you can create that 
a foundation and grounding and safety so that you can like continue building onto your goals. So in self-leadership 1.0, we take our power back by be, from being outcome focused by anchoring from the inside and really focusing like, who do I want to be? What do I want to bring into the world? And like, what is getting in the way? So it's an inside out focused coaching program. I have slots for 10 participants. Um, and you can check out my Instagram, Rithizarai, you know, where you, I have links to contact me. My email is rithi at rithizarai.com. Uh, and uh, just by emailing me, I can send you all the necessary links, but all of the information is on my um, Instagram. And I also have a masterclass that I'm hosting this week on um, the power of habits, which is going to be out as a, a product that people can buy offline as well. Oh, brilliant. Um, so if people can't attend live, they'll be able to purchase it to watch in their own time. Yes. Fab. Oh, Ruthie, thank you for being such a radiant gift in this world. It's been wonderful having this conversation with you. I feel like there needs to be a part two because I just feel like there are so many layers to this thing. It would be wonderful yeah. to explore with you in the future. I can't wait. I'm actually working on my own podcast soon. So I'm very Ooh. sure that I want to invite you to have you as a Listen, guest. On my podcast. If you so don't invite you me, I will be upset. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll continue this conversation. You're already on the list. Wonderful. We'll continue this conversation there. Thank you so much, Tamu. Thank, thank you. you for being such a light and thank you for showing all of us that there is a different way, right? I think that's so powerful and everything that you do. Um, I highly appreciate you. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Take care. All right. Bye. I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Ruthie and I. Um, I look forward to hearing your comments and your insights. If you share any parts of this on social media, please do tag both of us. Our Instagram handles are in the uh, show notes for this episode. It would be really helpful for me if you could rate and review this podcast wherever you're listening to it, because the more you rate and review, the more the algorithms pick this up, the more it is shared to a wider audience. And I really want as many people as possible to be party to these conversations and understand that it is possible for us to work less live more and still be the people we want to be creating the incomes we want to create and creating the impact we want to create in this world so until next time take great care goodbye